Yo. There's certain things that I can talk to you about that I can't really with my dad. I don't think we should talk about this. Good morning. Uh, this is Lynn and Jen for Let's Talk About Sex. And this morning, we're actually doing a follow-up podcast uh, to the one that we did last time, which was Fairy Tales for Girls. And this one is really about fairy tales for boys. And by fairy tales, we really mean the myths and the very basic stories that uh, we share with our children. And uh, as you're discovering, if you've been listening to our podcast, we focus a lot on children and adolescents and sexuality, but we're also very interested in how this translates into adult life because our, our child sexual lives and our adolescent sexual lives affect our entire life and uh, how we feel about it really makes a big difference. So how are you doing this morning, Jen? It's a rainy, foggy day here in San Francisco. Yeah, it's rainy, it's foggy, but it's kind of nice. It's a slow pace, and I'm excited to get back to this because I think it's such an important thing to talk about. It's exciting to be here with you. Um, one of the things that happened over the recent holiday for me is I saw the Star Wars new Star Wars movie Rogue uh, One and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later. But I think for many of us, uh, Star Wars represents a kind of modern day fairy tale where we can identify with one or more of the characters. And I think it's a really interesting series to talk about because it has different uh, gender models for girls, particularly. But that affects how boys are portrayed, too. And their their boy uh, role models are very different. So that's something we'd like to talk a little bit about today, but maybe to start out and to really begin with, where did adventure stories start? And I think they've always been there for boys. I think about Homer's, uh, you know, uh, Ulysses and the tale of roaming the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, when my parents were growing up, the Hardy Boys were very popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember my dad giving me a Hardy Boys series as if I was going to be an adventure girl. I'd have to read about the boys doing adventures. Interesting. (laughs) I didn't actually know that. I mean, one thing I learned was, so I was a huge fan of the Nancy Drew series. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons was because Nancy Drew was a woman who was kind of doing her own thing. She was an adventurer. But in doing some of the research for this, and I was reading about the Hardy Boys, I found out that that series actually came from so many girls being interested in reading the Hardy Boys series or that they were looking for something of that sort that they actually decided to create the Nancy Drew series. That's very interesting because I remember Nancy Drew's series coming, say, to my early teen years. It was kind of there and apparent. Uh, But the Hardy Boys provided a model, except it left you kind of in the lurch in that these were boys, they were going on the adventure tales, they weren't the same as your adventures. And so I think it was not so easy for girls of that time to really identify with adventure heroes and heroines and pursue their own uh, sense of adventure and development. I I never read the Hardy Boys, so I can't Mm -hmm. speak to that. So maybe you can, you know, but in terms of What I see in a lot of boys' adventure stories is that the boys are really centered around just the boys. You know, girls aren't really featured. They're not companions. They're not 
on the adventures with the boys. It's often either a boy alone or it's a boy and kind of the group of boys, which I think is what the Hardy Boys was about. Um, Is that something that you see as well? Yeah, you know, remembering back, uh, you know, it's a while ago, but the Hardy Boys uh, were really about boys uh, in contrast to adult men. Okay. Really seeking out adventures, being able to solve things, and working together in a collaborative way. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are a lot of TV programs for kids that really kind of identify with solving mysteries, going out together in a group, and that younger kids who are observant can see more than adults can really in situations. So I think they do provide a lot of inspiration. There is the gender problem. How do you turn yourself into one of the Hardy Boys if you're a girl or a, yeah. you know, or if you're a boy reading Nancy Drew? How do you turn yourself into Nancy Drew? You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the big things that isn't inherently itself a problem, but is the problem that a lot of boys and girls are pushed in one direction. And I think that's what we talk about in these books is there's nothing wrong with the romance novel being a romance novel. And there's nothing wrong with an adventure story being an adventure story, but that it seems more explicitly kind of, or implicitly, sorry, more implicitly written. You know, these fairy tale romances are for girls and adventure stories are for boys. And that adventure stories focus on, you know, independence and conquering and sort of being thrust out there unwillingly and having to learn how to provide for yourself. I think that is kind of the message that's sold to boys is like you're going to be sort of unwillingly pushed into manhood, for lack of a better word. That's the one we often use, you know, as a transition and that, yes, it will be scary, but that, you know, that's what leads to success. You go out on your own or with a group of your boys and you figure it out and that girls really aren't a part of that picture. You know, you kind of uh, exchange implicit and explicit there. Yeah. And both are true, I think, with these books. Because just recently I was in a bookstore, um, you know, buying some books for my grandson. Yeah. And I noticed that there were girls' adventure story labeled and boys' adventure stories. So there is very explicit, you know, that type of labeling. Yeah. And then, so you think about it, but then it's here as a psychiatrist and psychologist, we're really interested in the underpinnings of this to the unconscious really messages that come with these stories. And I think those are are tougher really to deal with. And what you're bringing up is it's often exclusionary. Mm -hmm. Boys only are given adventure stories and girls only or for the majority are given romance tales. Right. And uh, it leads to very different life paths with those type of early stories. I think, too, building on that is that it leads you to have very different expectations, right? Where if what you're looking for is romance, then you're trying to kind of pull somebody in. Whereas a lot of the adventure stories are less about pulling somebody in and more about kind of doing things outward, conquering things, finding success, you know. And it really poses this sort of dichotomy between intimacy and dependency and that the adventure story is saying like you don't really want to be dependent on someone and particularly not a girl whereas in the romance it's really saying like no like you need to be together and like that's what's going to make your life better 
and you can see that if one person is following just one of those scripts for the most part how trying to put those two things together can create a lot of conflict and these are are things that I think people are largely unaware of yeah you know women who maybe are in an adult relationship are still reading romance novels on the side yeah and the guy is still trying to get the girl to go with them to see the adventure films which are if you look at Netflix or in the movie theaters they're the majority of really what is being shown yeah you know and I think that leads to the separate paths you're really talking about and it's a good way to characterize it one focuses more on relationship aspects but unfortunately, I think romance stories focus on you have to entrap the person or draw right. them in, get them involved in this relationship. They don't really want to be in this relationship. Maybe at the beginning they fight it and there's a struggle that goes on around it. You know, and adventure stories are about leaving romance and behind, mm -hmm. you know, most of them, most or many of them. of them. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that romance does occasionally kind of appear in adventure stories, but often it's in this form of the women that's a seductress or a female type character. Like you were talking about, you know, um, Odysseus and <laughs> I was thinking about like the sirens and how in a way, it, that provides an interesting avenue in which the man can kind of be sort of ensnared or can be about romantic kind of notions, but it's not his fault. It's not his choice. You know, he's been sort of seduced by this other person. And I think that provides such an interesting framework from which to really look at it because it's still kind of excuses the male character in that way from depend you know it's not that he's dependent it's that he's been trapped yes and uh, you're mentioning uh, uh ulysses and there Circe keeps him imprisoned right away from his wife penelope supposedly he's right. on his way back to his wife though we doubt this <laughs> most of the book is not that yeah but uh you know it's really the different books of ulysses are really about his adventures and he's entrapped a number of different times by women right you know there's a beautiful princess who finds him nude on a beach and wants to marry him and no no he pushes away so it's a, it really gives the message of you have to be on your own having adventures you should not get involved in these relationships you know at least minimally and then you continue on right and uh, it's really a specific message that I think a lot of men hear unconsciously or yeah. at that implicit level and they're not aware that they're even carrying that with them I think you see it, too, in, you know, more of the modern day, let's say, in, in the movies. In, comics aren't really modern day. They've been around for a long time. But as Marvel kind of makes more and more movies, I think we start to see still that this pattern runs through it where, you know, uh, I'm thinking of Spider-Man because the new movie's coming yeah. out, right? Mm -hmm. But so let's say with Mary Jane, she's not really a fully fleshed out character. She's just sort of the object of Spider-Man's affection and that 
in this sense, you know, she's there to show that he has kind of successfully won her over, but she's not really a full person in, in a sense. It's more like the symbol of his success. And it's interesting because in romance novels, the men are often portrayed in right. that way. They're the symbol of the success of the woman when right. she's entrapped the man into this relationship. Yeah. You know, and even our language is different. Women entrap and, you know, men are awarded a prize. Exactly. You know, so even it's a it's different. the same thing. The same thing, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the way we describe it is different. Exactly. You know, but I think that the male adventure stories recognize that you have to have women more involved. There's that push forward. And we see with gaming now, 60% of girls, teen girls, are gaming. Yeah. And games are uh, really a whole venue that are slanted largely toward men and boys. Yes. Um, so the change has to happen in that area. Or the girl plays, as I did, read the Hardy Boys. You know, you're reading right. really in a different way. Right. You know, so I think that's different. But the recent Star Wars film, you know, which I thought was the best of the entire Star Wars series yeah. or gender wars, as we call them, or gender discussions. Right. It really showed a character, Jin, a girl, mm-hmm. um, who was, I think, the primary heroine of the entire movie, mm-hmm. the Rogue movie. And she carried with her a lot of knowledge, and she was not on a quest really to find a man or a partner, but really to, in her words, save the world. And uh, it was quite moving to really see her as a heroine out there, really developing and acting and taking on a role in a very, you know, vital way. Yeah. I mean, what I loved about it was that you know, in a way, she got to step into this the shoes of that stereotypic male character in the sense that it w- it was an adventure that was thrust upon her. It wasn't something she wanted for herself. But I think it also shows, you know, there's a lot more collaboration. I think it shows that, as you said, she's not in it just to, you know, go find this guy. She's really on a much bigger mission to save the world. Exactly. What do you think of the male heroine or anti-hero Cassian in the series? I thought Cassian was an interesting Mm -hmm. character. I mean, I I like him in contrast to Han Solo. I think Mm -hmm. certain people are trying to say, like, he's Han Solo. And there are definitely some similarities, you know, um, in terms of more of that stereotypic, like, Westerner, Western um, movie kind of character. But I think that... He shows a very different side than Han Solo. He shows a different form of masculinity and how to... Well, one of the things that's coming to mind is that he really was in it from the beginning. You know, he's been fighting since he was like six years old, if I remember correctly. You know, so he's obviously very involved from the beginning. And I think you get to see how that affects a person and how he has really... Um, dedicated his life to this this adventure. Mm-hmm. I I was moved really with how flexible this he was as a character because there were times with Jen when you really saw him change. Yeah, and he didn't hold a kind of stereotyped 
kind of male He's perspective. He was not rigid, and he moved more fluidly and changed. And she she could see that, yeah, you know, and appreciate that. Um, when I think of you mentioned the Han Solo character, and uh, definitely I I listened to that and saw all of those. And Hans was a big, big impact, I think, in terms of male adventure heroes. Yeah. But uh, in terms of romance with Han Solo, I'm always reminded of when Princess Leia says to him, "I love you," and he mouths back the words, "I know." Right. You know, um, which says to me, it's 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 kind of funny. But um, also strangely sad, it isn't a mutual sharing, understanding, disclosure as yeah. occurred in, in the Rogue movie. But as one of the man knows everything, he's known ahead of time, he's in the position of power, and um, a really different type of uh, relationship and adventure is being shown. I think so. And I think to highlight kind of what you were talking about in terms of the Han Solo Leia um, dynamic, what I thought Star Wars A Force Awakens did well is that they really showed that that wasn't going to just be this happily ever after kind of marriage. So even though there was this like budding romance, you see he's still off on his own adventure. You know, years have passed. She doesn't know where he is. And I think that's a far more realistic kind of portrait of that is that if you don't know how to work through those dynamics and if the other person isn't that invested in trying then you end up with you know Leia obviously deeply loves him but it wasn't enough for him to stay or the type of love they each bring to it doesn't work together. Right. And I think it's symbolized, actually, with the son. Yeah. You know, that the son is really lost in how he uses the force or power. Yeah. You know, the force is power and how you use power in life. And he's, he's trapped in that. So you can see that their love you know, really has these struggles with it. You know, I thought that was a, a yeah. very, very interesting film. So I think the recent Star Wars films have really tried to show romance fitting in with adventure stories. They're combining it. How does it combine? How does it work? Yeah, because it's, it's a part of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the two really have to go together because mm -hmm. partners and friends and yeah. colleagues and, and adventure are a natural thing to really accompany each other. I think so. And I think that's what's made it kind of even more appealing is Star Wars has always been an adventure movie, but that you have this kind of romance thrown in, but that it doesn't have to be the main component, right? What we see a lot of the times is you get kind of the chick flicks or you get the action movies and one is obviously very targeted towards women, one is targeted towards men. But the truth is when I talk to people and when I talk with clients, there are plenty of men who like the stereotype chick flick and there are plenty of women who like action movies and a lot of people are able to like both. And I think those are sort of the extremes. And so what we're seeing is those things being pulled together a little bit more and that they can be both. How do you think parents, you know, part of our show is, is about, right. our program's really about uh, sex and parenting and how it can be worked together and how we can help parents. What can parents do around this whole area? 
you know, of adventure movies and ad adventure books with boys. I mean, I think even just to start with what we're doing, talking about it, what do you think about these things? You can ask questions like, what do you think about the fact that there are no girls in these movies? Or, you know, how do you feel about the main character and this girl? And I think you can just explore different ideas and open them up to the fact that they don't have to just like these stories. I think to even just promote discussion, kids have lots of ideas and teens have lots of ideas and just a willingness to listen goes a long, long way. A lot of the boys that I've worked with describe uh, feeling very revved up after they watch the male adventure films. I mean, the Bourne trilogy is kind yeah. of known for that that it gets them very excited, hyper-revved, driven. Kind of reminds me of the idea, the concept of drums during a war, getting you know people really revved up internally so they can engage in certain activities. Yeah. But uh, I think thinking about you know working with boys, how to help them see that not all films need to be that. Many of the boys I work with will only go to films that make them feel that way after a while. They want yeah. a high or a revving. Well, I think that's where it becomes problematic is when you start limiting yourself to a certain genre or a certain type of story. Mm -hmm. Because then you only get one version. I mean, you may get many versions, but they're all based on the same script or same few scripts. Yeah. I think parents have a lot of room for influence here because parents can, you know, the movies we have around the house that our kids watch over and over and over again. They do when kids are growing up. Uh, you know, I, I joke with you, I have a daughter who's an infectious disease, and she watched the film uh, Outbreak mm -hmm. uh, over and over and over again, and this led in this direction. She's yeah. really interested in that area. Yeah. But I think being aware of the films that kids are, our kids are watching, you know, and trying to engage them in conversation, well, why have you watched uh, this Marvel comic film 14 times. What right. are you getting out of it? What parts you like? Yeah. Really trying to ask them about that. Who do you identify yourself as being like? You know, I think it's very important to talk with our children about these movies and to go with them, to watch them. I think it's really important. Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing is, one of the things that makes me very sad is that I see a lot more people moving away from reading mm -hmm. and focusing more on movies and movies are about a different form of entertainment it's more in your face it has to kind of package a lot into a small amount of time and so they have to cut out a lot of the slower things and the the um, build-ups and the background stories and so I think encouraging people to read too you know to get into books like Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys and you know although you don't have to just read those books I think being able to read uh, stories that are written allow for more character development and I think that helps people have more of an open frame in order from which to build kind of a, a full character and a full character for themselves of who they want to be. 
Well, you're talking about the role that imagination really plays in character development. And with reading, there's always the joke that uh, with the Hardy Boys that you see the staircase and in your imagination, it's huge and towers to the sky. They make a movie out of it and it's a tiny little staircase. Where are you with that? Right. But I I think really helping our kids, um, we can read out loud and share reading with them. You can read off of your cell phone with kids, you know, have them counter read back and forth and share it. All of that is really important because you've got to use the tools at hand. Right. Um, I also think it's really important to kind of go in your kids' rooms and, you know, not violate their privacy, but really share and look at what they're paying attention to. Yeah. I mean, I think being involved, knowing what's going on in general is a, is a good thing because it gives you a little bit more of a chance to have some influence and to be able to share your values and be able to open up those conversations. You know, you work a lot with couples too. Yeah. Jen, and I'm, I'm thinking about how do you see these male fairy tales playing a role with the couples? You've, you've alluded to this a little bit earlier Definitely. that it's hard for boys and men to move out of that frame really once they're in it. Well, I think a big part of what I see is the independence dependence is often one of the big things that come up is, you know, when somebody's in a relationship, they recognize that part of being in a relationship is the intimacy that you're growing. And at the same time, I think a lot of the men that I work with are fearful of that. They want it and they're fearful of it. And so being able to Um, reconcile that. They're afraid that, you know, they're going to be that stereotype of kind of the the ball and chain, you know, that they're going to be trapped or that they're going to be seen as less masculine because they want to be in a relationship. And I think that's inherently problematic because relationships can be such a strong, supportive um, foundation in which to grow, to expand yourself and to explore different aspects of who you want to be. And yet, if you're afraid of that, then you're constantly kind of push-pulling with somebody. And if you're not aware that you're afraid of that, then I hear a lot in the beginning, well, you know, this is just who I am. This is just who I am. And like, if they don't want to be with me, then they shouldn't be with me. But then if the other partner um, says, like, I think I don't want to be with you, like, you obviously don't want to be with me, then it raises panic. And it's like, no, I actually do want to be with you. And it creates a lot of confusion because, you know, you think you want something, but then you think you don't. And I think being able to slow down and piece it out and say, okay, well, what, what makes you say, you know, this is who I am and that nothing's going to change that. What do you feel is going on here? And, a lot of times with time, you can get them to start recognizing like, well, I'm worried that I'm going to be trapped or I'm worried that my friends will make fun of me or a whole myriad of things. I think it is hard with men in therapy. You know, it is often seen as a, a venue couples therapy where women have the upper hand because they have more kind of ability mm-hmm. and fluidity really with the mm-hmm. relational issues. Yeah. Um, but I think if men can see that they their perspective is listened to, yeah. um, I think women can go with them to adventure films. You yeah. know, they can try to share it. They can try to understand the feelings that men have around this. Um, 
you know, women can, of course, share how they feel being portrayed as the entrapper. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really difficult position, I think, to be in. But um, it's also important that women be included and find ways in. Um, one of the other things I think that women have to do is, is read more adventure stories and watch more adventure films uh, really directed at women. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very big area. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about Nancy Drew and what she did for you and what she did for millions of women. Right. Really is gave a hero who was out there with her friends, you know, kind of looking for things and uncovering and having adventures. And I don't want to say like Nancy Drew is the best example because there are aspects where, you know, she has just tons of money. She's white. She, you know, um, lives a very privileged life in many ways. But I think that in terms of her adventure, that she was a smart woman. That, you know, she wasn't constantly relying on other people. She wasn't constantly just looking to fall in love. I think that spoke a lot to me. And I read a lot of other books. I didn't realize it at the time, but now that I look back, I read a lot of books that um, did have female heroine type uh, main characters. One of the big ones that I read, I remember loving so much was by Tamora Pierce and Mm. it was called Alana the Lioness which I think you know you can already hear from that title it's about a strong woman but um, I don't want to summarize the whole book here but the idea was that she had a twin brother and the brother didn't want to become a knight at all and as a woman she couldn't be a knight which was like her dream and she was the better swords person and she had all the skills to be a knight and so she goes in disguised as him and basically has these adventures but what I loved about the books was that they also incorporated romance so she was this strong character and her life wasn't about just finding romance But it was a part of it, and I had never seen that before, where, as we were talking about in the new Star Wars, it's more kind of blended together that you can have both. Yeah, that's a very sophisticated book that really is able to do those two things and to combine it without making fun of one perspective or the other. You know, because it really speaks to how both girls and boys need to read more books like that. Yeah. You know, and hopefully even Marvel Comics will expand and develop and, you know, warp in a direction very much like that. You mentioned earlier, too, some of the problems with uh, a lot of these books will have largely a white you know, hero or heroine. Yeah. And there's problems with that. Uh, You know, we each share, I have some Native American background, you're Asian. So this is, you know, there's different perspectives on this. And how do you find, you know, heroes and heroines from that background? And um, Native stories have a lot of uh, um, acceptance, you know, in their mythology, certainly about the role of the, you know, the buffalo mother and other creatures. They identify um, animals often yeah. as uh, kind of extra genders in some ways. I wouldn't right. call it that, but, you know, but they're different types of creatures and they take on different roles. And the animals have very, very big roles in Native stories. So I think that they are helpful Uh, in the idea of how you can move more fluidly and not just be one gender role to the exclusion of the other. Um, And the one Asian story that I know about, about the girl, there's a a story of a girl in China and kind of her adventures that's somewhat well-known. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been actually very drawn, even as a child, to Native American stories because of the fluidity. And I mean, obviously, as a child, I wouldn't have been able to say like, oh, I'm drawn to this because of the fluidity. Mm-hmm. But it, I liked that, you know, it wasn't as rigid because what I got in a lot of the Chinese mythology, mm-hmm. there are a lot of great stories about women who are able to find power within their role, but it's within that role because the society was very rigid and it was very much women do this, men do this, men are like this, women are like this. And, um, that was something I really struggled with as a kid was because I loved all kinds of stories, but I always felt like, but I don't want to be that woman. Like I admire that woman because she is finding power in a very power limiting situation. But I also had the privilege of growing up in the U.S. And so I was like, but I don't want to be that woman. I want to have more power. I want to be able to do more things. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the things that my school did very well was that they introduced us to stories from many different cultures. And we got to read, you know, stories from Russia, stories from like all over the world, stories from Africa. And I love to see the way women were portrayed and how in certain stories they had more power and how some of them were adventure stories for women and how other stories were really about nurturing and caring for children and that those are obviously fantastic things but limiting yeah those enrich our background that's something else that parents can do and be aware of you want to present a whole range of different stories and many times parents will come to me and say we need a list of references for our child you know we have a child from this background and we don't have anything really available for them yeah um, recently a uh, family had adopted uh, a native child they were two white parents and yeah. um, they were struggling with how to present and work with that background mm-hmm. with the child and you know I advise them about some books and things but also, really, how to get involved with the local organization and use the organization as like aunts and uncles and supportive storytellers, really, for their child. Yeah, I mean, yeah. stories are so important because they are about imagination and they help mm-hmm. sort of give us a blueprint from which to start building our own scaffolding, I guess is the word that comes to mind, right? It's a scaffolding and you get to create your own structure and your own building and you can invite other people to help you in building this structure, but we all have to start somewhere. And so a lot of the times we start out with these fairy tale romance stories for girls and these adventure stories for boys. And I think if we don't find a way to mix them a bit or open people up to these various stories that you can have romance stories and adventure stories, but they don't have to be, as you were saying, in in the bookstore where it's adventure stories for girls, adventure stories for boys. It's like, why can't they just have adventure stories for children? Yeah. Well, I couldn't add more to that. That sums up our really our two-part discussion of this, but I'm I'm sure we'll come back to it, you know, because we're we too are both you and I are stimulated by things that are happening in the media that are relevant to this and uh, you know, we're looking forward to really talking about this again. So, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Lynn. This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. 
We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcasts at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers.